Welcome. I'm glad to see you today. I'm glad that you're here and maybe you've been here for this series. We also want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online. We're glad to have you today also. Let me ask you, did anybody buy any peanut M&Ms this week? I'm just curious. You, you bought some. Good. Did you try them out maybe? You know, I've already gotten three boxes of peanut M&Ms, Mac, and I learned some things. I learned that they uh, sell them at, gen at the Dollar General store and they sell them at Winn-Dixie. I didn't know that, but now I know, huh? And so for those of you who are going, Why, what's he talking about? What, what? You know, you miss things if you're not here, you know, each week, because that was the thing we talked about last week, peanut M&Ms, right? Those of you who were here, right? Oh, that was underwhelming there. You were really excited about that, weren't you? We also talked about flossing recently. Are you still flossing? Some of you remember that, too. Well, you just have to be here to know about that. I want to talk to you today about a story that happened, a personal story in my life that happened. When I was a junior in high school, I rededicated my life to Christ. And then as time went on and I finished my senior year, it was time for me to go off to college. Now, I had friends at the high school. I played ball there. I knew a lot of people. It wasn't a big school, and so we all kind of knew each other. And now I'm going to go off to college, and, and I don't really know what that's going to be like. And I don't really know if I'm college material, right? And so, but I go, and what I find out is that God has a whole new set of friends for me there, and that these friends are Christian friends, and that they really have an impact on my life. And so we do life together, and Tuesday nights when we have Bible study, and I just live for it, and it's a wonderful thing. So, you know, I, I was at one place, it was familiar, it was comfortable, and God called me out to a new place. He did a new thing, and it was a powerful change in my life. And today I have that story to tell. Well, let me ask you, how do you have a story worth telling in your life? In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I want you to catch two words there, the author and the perfecter of our faith. What does it mean for Jesus to be the author of your faith? It means that he's going to write the story of your life. You, you listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, and as the Spirit speaks to you and leads you, then you feel God calling you to do something. And so you are faithful and obedient, and you follow Him, right? And so He's the author, and He's the perfecter of your life. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. I, I know that you find that hard to believe, but I'm not perfect, right? So look at the person next to you and say, are you perfect? Go ahead, tell them. What did they say? I want to know what they said. How many of them said, yes, I am perfect? 
<laughs> we, we always have one. And Bill Small. Bill Small's the other one. Bill Small is perfect. Yeah. Did you say you were perfect? You guys need to start a club. There's three of them here today. I think they're all wearing black shirts, too, if I can see them properly. So we need to pray for them. I can just tell you that right now. So we're not perfect. And so Jesus says we won't be perfect until we're taken to heaven. But what he says is that we're going on to perfection. So once we make a commitment to Christ, it's not over. We're growing in our faith and going on to perfection. And so if you're going to go somewhere, you have to leave where you are to go there, right? Because we've talked about this month, we've talked about it's time for us to start something, start a discipline. Maybe we need to stop something that hinders our story. Maybe we need to stay where we are when it would be easy to go. And today we're going to talk about we need to go when it might be easier to stay. And it takes faith to do that. So he's, he's writing this story and, and it's something he does with us. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And if you want to write that story in a way that pleases God, then you've got to let Jesus write the story. In other words, you've got to surrender to his will, right? Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he will help us tell the story God wants us to tell. Now, we've talked about the four different things we're talking about this month, and in the Old Testament, we're going to see what it means to go, because today we're going to be looking at the story of Abram and Sarai. You know, their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, right? But before that, Abram was worshiping a false god. Did you realize that? He was worshiping a moon god named Nanar. Nanar. And, and the one true God comes to him and gives him some simple and very direct commands in Genesis 12.1. The Bible says that the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Now, he didn't say, get out your map, and we're going to be moving you. We're going to relocate you from here to here. And, and when you get there, you'll know that that's where you're supposed to be. He just said, you just go to the land that I'll show you. Well, let me ask you a question. What if God called you to do that today? What if God said to you, okay, I want you to pack up your things, and I want you to leave Panama City Beach, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. Is that comforting thought for you to think about? Well, which way do I go, Lord? I'll show you. Well, how far is it? You know, we got a million questions. You know I got questions, right? I want details, right? And he says, you can't handle the details. If I told you the details, you wouldn't even try. So he said, you just go, and I'll show you where to go. So I want you to see the commitment that Abram had to have to do that. Abram had been worshiping a false god. Now he was going to worship the one true God. And so he had to leave in order to go somewhere. To go somewhere, you have to leave where you are. You have to leave what's known and comfortable and predictable and easy. You have to leave everything. You see, sometimes, and you all write this down, to step toward your destiny, you might have to step away from your security. Write that down, because that means that you've got to make a faith decision. You know, all our decisions in life are either fear-based or they're faith-based. I'm going to do this because I'm afraid if I don't do this, this is going to happen. Or I'm going to do this on faith because I believe this is what God's calling me to do, and I'm going to do it. You see, the enemy wants us to make fear decisions because God can't be glorified if we don't have any faith. 
the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Now, listen, if it's impossible to please God without faith, then I got to have some faith because I want to please God, don't I? You and I have got to live in faith and do what he calls us to do. So Abram has got to go to a place he's never been. You know, what happens when you start thinking about leaving someplace where you're really comfortable? You think about the things that you would say, well, now, wait a minute, God, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. I mean, I grew up here. This is where my family is. This is where my friends are. This is everything I know. I like it here. My house is almost paid off. I like the schools here. They're good schools. I know where to get my hair cut. And let me tell you, it's no easy task to cut this hair. I've been to people who can't do it. Trust me, okay? I, yeah, there's just certain people who can make something happen there, okay? So you got to go, and I trust, I, I know where to get my oil changed. I know the guy will really change my oil, and he won't just charge me for changing my oil, right? I have a network of people. I have people that I, I got them on my phone. I can just speed dial them. I can get in touch with them. I can find out what's happening there. You know, I know how to get to D's and get black and fish tacos. There's a lot of things that I've got worked out. Yet God is calling him to a place that he knows nothing. Of. Not only are you going, but you don't even know where you're going. And God simply makes this promise to him in verse 2 and 3. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, Abraham could have said at that point, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You're going to make me a great nation. Is that right? God, have you noticed that we don't have any kids, okay? I'm 75 years old. We've been at this a while. We don't have any children yet, and you're going to make me a great nation. Yeah, my name, Abraham, it means father of a great nation. Oh, glad to meet you, Abraham. How many kids do you have? None. Zero. You look kind of old to me. You're getting a late start there, aren't you, pal? You know, that's what he thought. We're childless. We can't have children. What are you telling me? You're going to make a nation out of me? I don't know if you've ever made a promise to God. Anybody ever made a promise to God? Raise your hands. Okay, look at the people who do not have their hands up and say, liar, liar, pants on fire right now, okay? Yes, you're a flame right now. Because what happens is we make promises to God, don't we? Lord, if you just help me get through this test and make a passing grade, I promise I will study harder for the next test. You ever, anybody? I'm the only one. Okay, great. Well, there's a few others of you. Honest people, I want to see you after church. We're going to have a prayer meeting. The rest of you can leave. I just don't know what to say about you, okay? But that's the truth. Now listen, you need to write this down. I'm serious. You need, we're not changed by the promises that we make to God. We're not changed by the promises we make to God. You and I are changed by the promises that God makes to us. Because when God makes a promise, He keeps it, doesn't He? God is a God who keeps His word. He doesn't say things lightly. If He doesn't mean it, He doesn't say it. And God made a promise to Abram. He said, so what does he do? In verse 4 it says, So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And remember, this guy's worshiping a false god. And then the one true God comes to him. And what does he do? He listens. He's obedient. He's faithful. 
and he falls. I want you to stop for a moment and think about that. What if Abram didn't go? What if he was not faithful and he didn't respond? He could have rationalized and said, well, it's easier to stay. I don't want to leave. I don't know where I'm going. It's scary. You know, we're not going to have any kids. What's he talking about? But he doesn't do that. Did you know that today a lot of people refer to the one true God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? What would have happened if he didn't go? And people wouldn't refer to him. They wouldn't say the God of Abraham, and there wouldn't be an Isaac, and there wouldn't be a Jacob, you see? But he was faithful, and it had repercussions today. You know, there are untold consequences. It would be so different if Abram had not obeyed God. See, what happens to us a lot of times is you and I think, well, if I don't obey God, it's only going to affect me. So, you know, I'm afraid to do that, so I'm not going to do it. That's not true. If you and I are not faithful and obedient to God, it has repercussions. And God says, you know, I was going to use you to do this, and it was going to touch all these people's lives, but you've got to do it in order for me to work through you and so that I can be glorified, so that God can be glorified. And so you've got to be faithful and obedient to me. And so that's what he had to do. He knew it. Now, I'm here to tell you there's going to come a time in your life when God comes to you and he calls you to come out of a place where you're comfortable, a place that you've known, a place that you're happy, a place where everything is going right. It's all clicking on all cylinders. And he's going to say to you, you know what? It's time for me to do a new thing in your life. Has God ever done a new thing in your life? Many times he's done that to me, and most of the time it's when I'm in a place that I really like, a place that I'm comfortable, and God calls me to step out on faith, and I have no idea the blessings I'll miss if I don't go. Sometimes the best decision you can make is to go when it would be easier to stay. Now, we've been asking this question all month. What does God want you to want to tell your story? In other words, If I'm listening to the Spirit of God and I'm sensitive and I'm being faithful and obedient, then what is it He's put on my heart to do? Where is He leading me to go? How does He want me to follow? What is it He's saying to me? Because if He's the author of my story, as He writes it, then I've got to be faithful to it, and He may give us a different direction. He may go in a different direction. And then you know that there's something that should be different in your life. And maybe you're sitting here today and God's speaking to you right now. And he's saying, this is something that I want to talk to you about because this is an area where I want to help you grow. This is an area you haven't given to me yet. And I want you to give that to me. For some of you today, he may be saying, you know, you really need to spend more time with your family. You just don't give them enough time. Maybe he's saying you need to invest in your family's lives spiritually. You need to teach them the word. You need to take leadership and ownership. God's put you in a position, and you need to take advantage of it. Or maybe you personally need to grow spiritually, and God's saying to you, you know you need to do it. Psych yourself out. Let's go. Let's work together. I want to see you accomplish this. Or maybe you're sitting here today, and all you can think about all the time is how much in debt you are. And your money is just something that's really having an effect on your life. And you need some financial freedom. And you need to take a class and learn how to do that from a biblical perspective. And so you need to sign up for that. Maybe today you need to start a ministry. You feel like God's calling you to step out. I've had lay people come to me over the years and say, hey, I feel like God's calling me to do this and I'm going to do it, whether the church helps or not. But if they want to, uh, they're welcome to come along. And boy, I just turn those folks loose. 
Or maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I need to minister to this one person. It's a neighbor, it's a friend at work, it's somebody I know about, it's somebody maybe that's in assisted living. You know, wherever it is, you feel called to go and help that person. And then what step of faith do you need to make for that to occur? What's the step of faith that you need to take for that to happen? Now, let me give you a few personal examples from my life, okay? And, and I've talked about these a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to talk about them a lot, but I am going to mention them to you today, okay? Here they are. Um, you know, when I was in high school, you may have heard me tell about our football team. We went 10-0. That means we won all 10 games the regular season, right? We only had two guys with talent. The rest of us were scared to death of our Cuban coach, Pedro Paz. Pedro Paz told us every day, you're going to be 10-0. You're going to be 10-0. He also told us, you are in the greatest shape of your life right now. Boy, was he a prophet. <laughs> We'd be out there exercising, stretching, and everything. He said, you don't realize it. You're in the best shape you're ever going to be. So I learned to listen to him because I knew what he was telling me there was true, right? And then he would tell us, you're going to be 10-0. And so we believed it. We just believed it. And every week he'd say, we're going to be 10-0. We're going to be 10-0. And we would win the first game. And he'd say, that's one. We're going to be 10-0. And we'd win the next. And every time we won a game, they would buy stuff for us. The boosters would buy different things for us. They would do something to improve the locker room. They would buy something that would improve, you know, our uniforms or something. They, they were all the time giving us stuff. And they, people all over town were talking about it because that never had happened in the history of the school. And it hasn't happened since so just enjoy <laughs> I mean in all the history of the school it's only one time that we went 10 and 0 right and so we played all the games in fact one one game we played we played the first half on Friday night and it came a huge storm we couldn't finish the second half so we had to go home and go back the next day, and it was in Murfreesboro, and we played the second half on Saturday night. We played the first half on Friday. We were seven. They were ahead of us seven to nothing. And we came back and won the game. You talk about a long halftime speech. That Pedro, man, he was working us over there, getting us, we got to win. And we won all those games. And then after going 10 and 0, then, then we went to Chattanooga and we played Baylor. That was like a private school there. And that was like playing the University of Alabama when you're in high school, okay? And we held them to halftime and, and then they killed us. And we walked off the field with our heads held high because we had played above our level. With uh, They had several first strings there, okay? They could recruit all these kids to come. And, you know, the coach bragged on us and told us we did great. And we went home and they had a parade for us. It was a huge deal in my little town. And then they fired the coach. 10-0 in the history of the school, and they fired the coach. It was political. I don't have time to go into all that. But, you know, that was my junior year in high school. You know what I decided? I decided not to go out my senior year. I didn't play. I just felt like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't feel led to do it. So I didn't. And then when I left, my friends at Middle Tennessee in college to go to Florida. You know, I, that was a known place. I had a lot of buddies there, and God was calling me. He opened the door for me to go to Niceville and be a youth minister, and so I did that. I didn't know what was going to happen. I felt a little bit like Abraham because I was leaving the familiar and the unknown to go to the unknown. You know, I've lived in Florida half my life. I figured it up the other day. 
And that means I've lived in Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky the other half of my life. But I've lived in this state longer than I've lived anywhere else in my life. Well, all my extended family is in Tennessee. When we have a get-together there, you know, it's usually on the weekend. Well, my wife's a teacher and I'm a preacher. We're kind of tied up, you know. And so I got a younger brother and two sisters, and I, I miss a lot of that stuff. I can't go to that stuff because I'm just not available. You can't just run up to Tennessee and run back. You know, you don't have time to do that for the weekend unless you have a plane. <laughs> kind of like peanut M&Ms, right? You don't have because you don't ask. I don't have to own the plane. I just want to use it, okay? So I'm just mentioning that. You just never can tell unless you put it out there, right? Okay. So, you know, I'll make a little sacrifice. But you know what? God has taken us on a great adventure. And I wouldn't trade it for anything because he's given us an opportunity to just see all kinds of things. And really, I get a front row seat to watch him work. When I left Niceville, Florida, I had to go to college. They had a junior college there. I didn't need that. I'd already been three years. I was on the decade plan. I had to go somewhere. I moved up to Montgomery. I got the scholarship. You've heard me tell the story. And I go to Huntington College. And then it was a huge thing when I left Huntington and I went to Asbury Seminary. You talk about academically challenging. You know, when I talk about getting a master's degree, everybody goes, oh, yeah, a master's, that takes a year. Wrong. 96 hours. We were just dumb enough back then. Three years. I did it in three years. It's like running a marathon full speed. Now, kids are smarter. They take four years to do it. Brian Hasty, who left here, he's doing it. And, and you know, I, uh, he's reading my sermon because he talks to people during the 940 service when we've got live streaming. And so he sent me a text this week, and, and we were talking about how hard seminary is. And periodically, I text him just to see if he's still living up there, right? Not only do you have to take Greek, now you have to take Hebrew. I'm so glad I went when I did. And so he's up there. He said, don't be talking about Hebrew. I'm already nervous. I'm anxious. I'm up here working hard. And you're making me nervous. Don't even tell him about that. So what do you do when God calls you to go somewhere else? Somewhere you've never thought of. And then I've told you when I left Opelika, everything was going well. We were in our fifth year. My wife had a great job. She was happy. We remodeled a house we bought. We were in it 18 months. Our daughter had a basement apartment. She was going to college. Our younger daughter could walk to the middle school. She was in show choir. I mean, everything was great. The church was happy. It was flourishing. It had been dysfunctional. But now it was back up and running well. Everybody was happy. And that's when God called me. You know, emotionally I was going like this, but spiritually I was going like this. And a lot of times God calls you when you're in a great place and you're in a great situation and everything's wonderful. And he says, okay, I want to do something new. And here you go. So what's God calling you to do? Maybe he's going to call you to start a life group. You're thinking, you know, I need to be in a small group. I need to have a life group. I need to get some of my friends together, and I need to do this. And you're thinking, well, I don't know who all will come to that. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm not sure I'm good enough, and I don't even know what I'm going to teach. But then one day you look back, and you realize, hey, I started it, and look what happened and how much it's become a blessing. Some of you are going to start some kind of ministry. It's something you feel called to do. You look back over your life, and you realize, man, I sure am glad I did that. When I was serving in Navarre, there were some guys that got together and they said, we'd like to have a ministry for moms who need cars, you know, single parents. And so what we're going to do, we're going to ask folks in the church to donate vehicles and then we're going to work on them as mechanics and we're going to get them up to speed and then we're going to give them away. 
And so one guy started doing it and some more started doing it. And before they knew it, they had given several cars away to several people. And it was just called something that God put on their heart to do. And they did it. And they look back and they go, man, I just love giving cars away to folks in need. Some of you have a book inside of you. Look at the person next to you and say, do you have a book inside of you? Go ahead. Ask them. Now, we don't have time for you to tell them what the book is. I just want you to ask them one question, okay? Somebody said that to me a couple of years ago, and it really got my attention. I mean, it made me nervous. I can't imagine what it would be, but they said, you got a book inside of you, and I'm still praying about that one, okay? Some of you right now, you know, you're thinking, well, how can I start? Well, write the introduction and just go from there. No telling what could happen. Some of you have always wondered about a specific job and you'd love to do it, but you've never taken it on because you're just not sure you could accomplish it. Well, why not go interview? You've got nothing to lose. Some of you want to start your own business. Give it a shot. You may look back and go, this was a great thing. Some of you, God, may have called to have more children. Let's see who you are. Look around at the folks in here. See, people are pointing them out for me right now. See, you never can tell. We had some older people at the 8.30 service today. When I asked that, boy, you talk about funny. They started laughing, you know. I said, look at those folks next to you. You think they're going to have some kids this year, you know? You never know. Some of you, God might call you to foster children or to adopt children. God called us to adopt. We got two daughters. Now we have a perfect, gifted, beautiful granddaughter. Let's just look at her. I'll just wait right here. There she is. Isn't she gorgeous? That's Collins. She's named after the Collins River where my mother-in-law grew up. She's two and a half and perfect. She went last night with her daddy to the first daddy-daughter dance. It lasted two hours. She didn't make it the whole time. They went to dinner together and Elizabeth joined them and then they came home. Okay. Bye, Collins. All right, but you never know what's going to happen. You, you think, well, I need more details. Well, God didn't always give us the details. And God may say you can't handle that. Now, maybe you're a single guy today, and you're sitting here, and there's a single girl, and you've noticed her, and she's in church with you, and you're thinking, boy, I sure would like to ask her out. Look around, maybe she's in here. Did you notice her yet? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to do anything? Well, go brush your teeth and put some goop in your hair. And then go over and ask her out. And she may go and it may turn out to be your wife. You might get married and have children. And someday you'll have a son. And you can name him Joseph after me, right? Why? Because I got you to get up and give it a try today. And now you have a beautiful wife all beside because you decided to go when it was easier to stay. And so what are you going to do today? I can't speak for you, but the thing that keeps me from doing the things that I might want to do is because of fear. I'm afraid or I'm insecure. I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Or Sometimes I tell myself, well, I don't have to do it now. I'll do it later. Or maybe the bottom line is I just don't have the faith. But it says in Hebrews 11:6, Scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God. And so if I want to please God, I've got to have faith. And that's what Abram did. In Hebrews 11, 8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How did he do that? He did it by faith. How do we do things? We do it by faith. We step out on faith. You know, I didn't know how to start a new church. I got to do that. I didn't know what was going to happen. We do it by faith. You may say, but I don't have the faith to finish. You don't have to have the faith to finish. 
You just have to have the faith to start. You just start and let God help you finish. I promise you, 40 years ago, I didn't have to, the faith to do the things that God's calling me to do today. I don't know what you're going to have to do, but, but you're going to look back someday and say, there's a part of my life where I did what God called me to do and He's blessed me so. Or you're going to say, God called me to do this and I sat here and I didn't do anything. And I talk to people all the time who say, when I was a young person, God called me into the ministry and all these years I've been fighting going into the ministry. And sometimes they never do and sometimes they do. But they're never at peace because they didn't do what God called them to do. The decisions you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. Now, you know, we've been talking about the Methodist Church, and we've been talking about our future here at Woodlawn. We've been having some in informal meetings to talk about what are the issues with the church. And I don't have time to go into all that with you today, but I want you to know at 11 o'clock we're going to have a meeting here in this room and I want you to go because it's the last one. We had four informational meetings. And you may not know, but I'm telling you now that, that I feel called to leave the Methodist Church. And, and I'll tell you about it. If you come to that meeting, there's a video where I explain it. But I want you to pray about it, and I want you to ask God what he might have you do. Maybe he's going to have you to be a part of that too. Maybe not. But it's in your hands, and I would ask you to just seek God. Because we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And when we do that, he says, you know, I'm going to do a new thing sometimes. And it's not the end, it's the beginning. And we just say, well, Lord, I don't know all the details, and I don't know where we're going or how we're going to do it, but I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to believe in you, and I'm going to do what I feel called to do. That's all you can do. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the faith that you give us and the way you help us walk with you and how you're glorified because of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.